Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Hallelujah. Happy to be with you here today. Happy to be here. Feeling good? Feeling good? Happy to be here? Happy to be... Happy to be saved? Happy to know that Jesus is alive? Happy to be in the house of God? I'm happy to be in the house of God. Aren't you glad you don't have to live life alone? Yeah, come on. Come on. One clap. Let's clap. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm continuing our uh, Calling on Revivalist series today. Pretty excited about Jesus. Pretty excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about, um, you know what's, what's exciting? We, we could take it for granted that Jesus is alive. Yeah. We could take it for granted the most basic parts of Christianity. We get so familiar with it um, that uh, we, we begin to take it for granted and, and accept it as a norm. Like we get to experience the living God. That's amazing. And it just becomes a, oh, well, you know, that service, it was all right. Uh, it was all right. You know, just, just, I mean, God was there, but you know, it was all right. I remember I went to a conference and it was a lot better. And we start ranking like the presence of God in some irreverent manner that what God did was not enough for me today. As if some, I can judge what, how God moved and what he did on this day and whether I thought it was good enough. Well, you know, he brought the word of God, but it was all right. It was okay. And we just, we, we, do you remember when you didn't know him and learning anything about him blew your mind? That it was so, like his, his nearness was so precious when you begin to read his word and that word would pop off and it was like life every time you opened it up. That freshness, that, that, that hunger you had for his word, that, that expectation, the awe that you had for him. And we can just get, we just get so calloused. Yeah. We get calloused to anything good in our life, right? Yeah. Yeah. We get calloused to anything good. We, we expect our spouse to always be there. We expect our parents to always be there. And unfortunately, uh, for, for Josh is un- unfortunately experiencing the reality that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And, and, I, and I'm thankful that Jesus Christ will never leave me or forsake me. I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want to live a life taking my life for granted. I want, to, I want, to, I want the people in my life to know that they're precious to me. I want my spiritual family to know that they're precious to me. I, I want my mom to know that she's precious to me. I want my spiritual parents to know that they're precious to me. I want God to know that he's precious to me. Because God always lets me know that I'm precious to him. Amen? Amen? If you have a Bible, uh, I want you to open Ephesians chapter 4. I'll be there in one second. Hallelujah. If you guys are going to start the countdown timer, now's a good time to, to start it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> in, in Ephesians chapter 4, I preach on it a lot. I'm going to look at it from a different angle today, so don't, don't bend there, done that, all right? 
In, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, we see Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, right? Uh, and this is one of the churches that he helped establish. We see that he went there on his missionary journeys, and now he's writing them a letter. And uh, he, he, he's calling them, he's, excuse me, he's writing to them, he wished he could call them. Uh, he's writing to them because uh, they're having some challenges, right? And they're starting to, they're starting to see who's better than who. They're starting to, to, to stratify who's, who's the greatest and, and some saints are more important than other saints and some ministers are not as important as other ministers. And Paul, Paul writes to them and early in, in, the, in, the, in the chapter, right at the beginning of chapter 4, he's like, listen, I'm writing this so that you won't be children anymore, being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I, I, I would like you to grow up and be established. And as a house, we, we're, we're called to connect people to the to presence and the power of God. The presence and the power of God. Now, this presence of God is this nurturing. It's this, this is everyday life force. It's like your average meal that you have every day, and without it, you die. We're, we want to connect people to the life-giving force of God. But we also want to connect people to the power of God. The God who can come in and change circumstances in an instant. The God who brings miracles, the God who comes out of the spirit realm, somehow manifests in the natural realm and leaves part of him before he retreats back into the spirit realm. Does that make sense? Be it healing or wholeness or joy. I think, you know, in this day and age, the greatest miracle is peace for most people. We're discovering more and more uh, how people make it their life mission to see if they can put more on your plate. And then they want to teach you how to manage more on your plate. Only so they can give you more to put on your plate, right? Like it's like at some point, can we just get a break? Amen? But today, it's my heart. Let me say this. It's my heart that you have a, you have a fresh connection with God today. I, actually, I, I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you that if you listen to today's word and you interact with your heart, I guarantee you to have a fresh connection with God today. I guarantee you, if you will open your heart, you'll have a fresh connection with God today. So man believes in his heart, so he is. And uh, I want you to listen with fresh ears, open your heart with fresh vision. Amen? So in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, early on, Paul begins to talk about um, the offices in, in the church, of five-fold ministry. And if we move forward to Acts, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 4, 17. Isaac, can you hand me my water, please? Appreciate that. Ephesians 4, 17 is where we're going to start off today. This is Paul. He says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluding from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Now, if you are an English major or you've had to write, unfortunately, on a higher level, you see that the entire point uh, of their being excluded from God is that last phrase, because of the hardness of their heart. Because of the hardness of their heart, where your heart is, that's, it's interchangeable with your mind. Your mind and your heart are the same thing in Scripture. Uh, because of the hardness of their heart, they were not in the life of God. They weren't experiencing the life of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls them ignorant, uh, and which was not an insult, but it says they lacked understanding. They had no conception, no conceptual reality of 
the presence of God. And because of that, they had no connection with God. That's how important it is to make sure that your mind is open to what God is saying. Verse 19, and they, talking about these people who are away from God, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Verse 20, but you did not learn Christ in this way. I want to read verse 20 one more time. But you did not learn Christ in this way. Now, Paul, why would he, why would he point out to them that this is not how they learned Christ? Because they were living in a way that did not reflect how they learned Christ. They were living in a way that they forgot the most elemental parts of their relationship with God. And we do harm to ourselves and we do harm to our growth when we move on from how we learned God. Christians get this um, Western deception that somehow we get more deep and more mature and the basic things aren't for us. But if you remember, Jesus Christ said we need to come to him as what? A child. And children don't think they know everything. Well, when they get teenage, they do. But I don't think that's what he was talking about. <laughs> children don't think they know everything. They actually believe people. They actually believe that they have something to learn. And we can go to God as if we've learned everything and now we need something deeper. <laughs> something bigger, something more. No, no, I've moved on from that. And uh, the scripture does tell us to move on from the elementary teachings, but he's not saying that you need to learn bigger things. He's like, you need to get out of the mud that you learned to get out of already. Yeah. Does that make sense? In, in that phrase, he's talking more about quit the cycle of sin in your life and move on. He's not saying you graduate in some sort of understanding that now you've, you've ascended to, 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 to knowledge. But <clears throat> what Paul is telling us is that we can never move on from the gospel. I'm going to say it again. We can never move on from the gospel. We never graduate from the gospel. We never go on to deeper things as a church I pray that we never move on from the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that we never think that we're so spiritual that we now are going to function as some gift or some revelation or some teaching that finds the gospel as something small and what we're doing is something big. When you think that the salvation of souls, if you can graduate, that you have anything deeper than that, you were just in deception. We're just in total deception to think that we're accomplishing anything greater than salvation. Amen? Come on, let me hear it. Amen? Amen. Now, this is such, um, a, such a serious problem. We find in Scripture that even Peter fell into this. Do, do you remember this? You remember this? It, it, Paul, you remember? Was, uh, he rebuked Peter because he was, uh, he was really functioning in racism. Pa Paul uh, functioned because, because Peter wouldn't, wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. He would only eat with the Jews. He literally was acting in racism. And, and Paul rebuked him. And let's look how Paul rebuked him in Galatians chapter 2, verse 14. He says to him, he says, uh, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about what? The truth of the gospel. He didn't say, I, I saw Paul and he was not behaving well and he was a bit of a hypocrite. It's not what he said. Look what he said. I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. Peter had literally moved on from the gospel into something that he thought was more mature. You hear, yeah. 
Peter came with this revelation that Jesus wants to save everybody. And that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of man. Male and female, Jew, Gentile, old, young, anywhere in the world. That, that Jesus Christ was a sacrifice for the sins of man. And then Peter began to operate in a way and behave in a way that did, that did not reflect that gospel. Paul said, I saw him not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. Now, if you feel like you're called to a high office, maybe you're called to be a, be a deacon or be an overseer, be an elder, be a pastor, uh, be, a, be a prophet, uh, and you've moved on from the gospel, let me, let me let you know right now, there will be somebody with a bullhorn to call you out publicly having moved on from the gospel once you depart from it. And that is for your preservation. Amen. That, is for your pres- that is for our preservation. The worst thing we could do is move on from Jesus Christ and say we represent Jesus Christ. Right? That's a fearful place to be. And none of us want to be in that place. And as we look upon the cross and we look upon the gospel, we, it's hard to move on from what he did. I talked uh, maybe last week or week before that when I'm in a great season of turmoil, when I'm feeling lots of tribulations in my life, when I feel like every, the whole world is coming at me, I just look at the cross. I look at Jesus on the cross, and so I don't know what he does in that. I don't know how he operates. Uh, far be it for me to say I understand the ways of God. But as I focus on his sacrifice on the cross, peace comes into my life. Peace comes. And, and maybe it's because, you know, I look at what I'm dealing with, and I compare it to what he dealt with, and it really minimizes it. But maybe it's just that he actually did die for the sins of the world, and I get to receive that grace when I look upon the cross. Does this make sense? Can you hear me okay? I feel like I can't hear me. Can you hear me in the, can you hear me in the way in the bed? Well, now you don't have to turn me up. I'm actually asking if you can hear me. Are you with me? <clears throat> we lose sight of how powerful the gospel is. <clears throat> Paul made this uh, amazing um, statement in Galatians when he said that Peter had... Uh, that he was not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. He says, how we behave reflects what we believe. How we behave reflects what we believe. There's not supposed to be any separation in that. And uh, we can talk about the three-part being, body, soul, spirit. But you know, there's only one of you. Jesus didn't die for part of you. Jesus didn't have part of you redeemed and part of you not redeemed. Jesus didn't say, I understand part of you can't sin and part of you can. I mean, it, it's, it's just not in there. What you believe is how you behave. How you behave is what you believe. You can't say, I'm not doing what I mean. No, that was dealt with in Romans chapter 8. When you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you get to behave however you want to. However you want to be, that's who you get to be. You want to be a saint? Want to be a sinner? You're empowered to do that. And so it's impossible for us to say, I want to live a holy life, but I can't because now we've just moved on from the gospel. We've moved on from the gospel and we've created a gospel that is not, not actually biblical gospel, right? It's, it's not possible. Am I, am I, are you getting this? Why, 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 why am I saying this? Not, not for condemnation, not that, but to let you know you don't have to live like that. You can. But it's not God's fault if you do. <clears throat> we, we lose sight of how powerful the gospel is and how it is supposed to affect our lives. The gospel is supposed to affect our lives. Are you with me today? 
And today, I want to invite everybody in the room. Uh, maybe you've confessed Jesus Christ a long time ago. Maybe you did it a few moments ago. Maybe you will today at the end of service. But I'm going to invite everybody to experience God through the gospel today. Amen? Amen? We're all going to experience God through the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we need to see the gospel, and we need to be experiencing it as believers. We need to be experiencing it as believers. We need to see it in action uh, in, in our lives. We need to see it in action in the lives of people seeking him, and we even need to see the gospel in action of lives of people who aren't seeking him. We can see the gospel in action. And the moment as a church we stop winning souls is the day that we need to just pack it up and find a church that is. Because if we're not seeing people come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, then we're just here to tickle each other's belly and laugh at each other, right? Like, what, 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 why are we here if we're not going to see people come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Is it, are you with me? If we're not seeing people turn from darkness to light, if we're not seeing people turn from death to life, what are we here for, right? Are you with me? Are you with me, church? I believe Jesus Christ wants all of Boca Raton saved. How about you? I believe he wants our family saved. How about you? I, 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 don't, I, don't, um, I don't ever want to do another, fam, uh, another funeral for anyone in here uh, or your family members and not knowing where they're going to spend eternity. Eternity is forever. Are you with me? We only have a little, little time here on earth, and it's important that we accomplish the things on earth that we can only do on earth, right? We're, we're not here for a long time. So it's important that we, that we get these concepts and, and let them really get embedded in our heart. And, and we know, and if you're taking notes, write this down, the gospel is the power of God. Write it down. The gospel is the power of God. You need to look at it. The gospel is the power of God. Now, we all believe the presence and power of God. We just said it a moment ago. Yes, pastor. Presence and power of God. We believe that God wants to impact everybody with the presence and power of God. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah the gospel is the power of God. Yeah. Healing is not greater than the gospel. Prophecy is not greater than the gospel. Miracles, hear me, are not even greater than the gospel. Jesus said it's better that you go to heaven with one arm or one eye or one leg than to go to hell whole. Amen? Yeah. If you're going to get one miracle, the gospel is the miracle you want to get. Yeah. And if you're going to carry one to the world, I mean, whatever you're called to do, do it, but it should lead to the gospel. Amen? Yeah. Romans 1.16, I know you know this, but let's just look at the Bible, shall we? For I'm not ashamed of the... Let's say it together. For I'm not ashamed of the... For it is the power of God. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. It is the, that's, a, that's a bold statement to make. That is a bold statement to make. It's an amazingly bold statement. But here's a, here's a trap that charismatic churches can fall into. When we stop trusting the power of the gospel, we have to come up with gimmicks. We have to start redefining what power is. And all of a sudden, no one's getting saved, but everybody's on the ground giggling, and that's the power of God. Wow. We got we to come up with other things. And I'm all for giggling on the ground, but I really want to see you in heaven giggling. Amen? Because yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen? Yeah. it's going to be a good time in heaven. It's going to be a good time in heaven. Amen? Amen. 
We're going to have fun and it's going to be a great time. Who are we talking about buying a china box with and cooking pig? I mean, we're going to do that all day in heaven. Every day. Go to Sam's house, we'll cook a pig. Go to my house, cook a pig. Over to Corey's house, cook a pig. We might even work out together in heaven, all of us. Who knows? Because I know some of you aren't doing it on this side of eternity. So Maybe we'll do it over there. Amen? <laughs> Amen. It is the power of God. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't, you know, it's so easy to think that we got to be the end all be all. And the, the kind of the, the system of Christianity that we come up with in America, we can start thinking that we need to be like the guy on stage or we need to be the guy on the podcast or, you know, it, there, there was a time um, that your pastor is the only person, pretty much the only person you really heard spiritual formation from. And uh, then there was, you know, radio broadcasts and people listening on radio and, and a little bit on television, but Television didn't really seem too real. Uh, but now, you know, you have the greatest speakers in the world speaking into your life online, right? There's like, you can just, the greatest theologians, the greatest preachers, and, all, and, and unfortunately, it's not brought the gospel closer to us, it's brought it farther away. It's made it seem that you have to be even that much more great to be someone, to, to be someone in Christ. And it's, and it's just deception. It's deception. Some people are like, they're skilled and they can do that. And other people aren't, but that has nothing to do with who is and who isn't called to carry the gospel. Right? You may never be an orator like, you know, Andy Stanley or, or, or Brian Houston. But if you were supposed to be like that, you'd be like that. And what we fall into is a trap that is actually contrary to the gospel where God wants to use the weak to confound the wise. Right? And so he wants to use people who don't have a PhD, who don't have a church of 15,000, who don't have an entire staff of consultants helping them craft messages to actually reach the world. Now, I'm thankful for all those people and all the strategies they're using, but that is not reality. This is reality as reality TV is. Right? And I need you to hear this. I, I, have, I don't criticize any pastor or any preacher. I uh, just spent the last week with someone who is really somebody, and they're amazing, and, um, you know, they script reality TV. You know that, right? I mean, you know that. You know it's not really real, right? I hate to break it to you. There's no, there is no Santa Claus, and reality TV is not real, right? I hate to tell you that. And um, uh, many of the churches, the big churches today, they script their services. You know, they have writers. You know, they have a team of writers who write the messages. And, and there's no way... I mean, if you watch these messages week in and week out, there's no way one man can do all that every week, right? You understand that? You understand there's a team of writers for every TV show, right? right? There's, a there's a team of writers in these, um, and, and you know, they, all the stuff that goes together, and, and, you know, and the stuff that looks like they do impromptu, that's written into the message, right? And, and that's all, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Put on a play, writers for the message, do a musical. I don't, however we reach people, I don't care. But it's not reality to think that you can recreate that in your life. Amen. It's not reality. It's not reality. And I mean, I'm all for let's do it as well as we can, but let's pull back the curtain a little bit and see that some of this is show, right? God moves through it all, and I'm thankful for that. I, I hope you don't hear me putting it down at all, but it's, 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 not, it's not what you're doing in everyday life. You can't do that in everyday life. And here's the other part. 
You don't need to do that in everyday life. The gospel is not, it's not, it's not, the, the tipping point is not your ability. This is the point I'm trying to get at. The tipping point is not your ability because we just read, put it up back up, the gospel is the power of God. Your oratory skills are not the power of God. Your prayer life is not the power of God. Your revelation is not the power of God. Your song is not the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. Now God moves many ways, but when you share the gospel with somebody, it's not you, it is the gospel that is doing the work. Does that make sense? It's the, it's the gospel that's carrying the weight. It's the gospel that's carrying the weight. I was in, uh, I was in Lakeland this last week. And um, for those of you who didn't see on uh, <clears throat> social media, I, I started uh, grad school. And I'm just like, what have I got myself into? Nah, nah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and so I was, in, um, I was in Lakeland, Florida, which is a third of the buildings in Lakeland are churches. I'm, I'm convinced, if you've ever been to Lakeland, it is astounding how many churches are in that. Big churches. Like everywhere you go, there are big churches. I mean, Lakeland's not a big town. They, they, they have, you know, it's got to be a fraction of the size of Boca. And it's got to have three times as many mega churches. I mean, there's churches everywhere in Lakeland. It's amazing. And um, I'd spent the whole week there. And I was tired and I wanted to come home. And I didn't want to stop for anything. And then I saw a hot peanut sign, right? If you know me, I got to get some hot boiled peanuts, right? Spicy boiled peanuts, that's my thing. And so I stop, and, um, and there's a guy there. He looks, I don't know, not young, we'll say. And uh, he's boiling up peanuts. That's how he pays his bills, whatever. And so I stop, and I just felt like that nudge of the Holy Spirit in my heart. And I'm like, I just want to go home. You know, I'm tired. My, my brain is melted from this week listening to these people. Like, it's melted, and I'm just thinking all the papers I got to write. And, um, and, uh, and I, I just felt this nudge, and I said, hey, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I know there, you know, like I know there's, there's churches, like you could throw a rock anywhere in Lakeland and hit a church, right? And so you can just think, yeah, what do I have to offer this guy? And so I just say, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm heading back down to South Florida. I'm not recruiting for a church or anything like that. I just want to know if there's anything I can pray for you for. I, I, you know, I just want to get my peanuts and go, right? And the guy looks at me. And like, this is the first time he looked at me. He looked at me. He goes, where are you from? I said, I'm from South Florida. And I'm just a pastor. And he says, yeah. I, I, ah. And you, you saw something in his heart begin to melt. He said, I need, need, gave me some prayer requests. And I said, wow, you know, well, Jesus Christ is Lord. And he died so that you can have, a, have, a, have life. And uh, let, me just, uh, let me just pray for you. And we can forget um, just how powerful the gospel is and how God puts people in our path who need to hear that Jesus Christ wants to answer prayers. Are, are, are you with me? Watch this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. He says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing as far as division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It didn't say he's going to allow you to do that. He didn't say he's going to allow me to do that. Oh, I know what this man needs. Oh, he's in the middle of all these churches. Last thing he needs is another person to pray for him or witness to him. No, no, no. It's the word of God. The word of God pierces hearts. The word of God is sharp and active. It doesn't have to be me. I just, anybody who wields that sword is going to be sharp and powerful. Anybody who wields that, that sword. Anybody who wields the sword of the Lord, it does not matter who you are. We need to speak the word. We like to dance around and tell people that God, you know, but no, no, we just speak the word of God because there's power in the word. When you don't know what to say, just quote the Bible because it is powerful. Your words, who knows? But the word of God is powerful. Next thing I want you to write down. When, when you share the gospel, Holy Spirit is with you. Let me say it again. When you share the gospel, 
Holy Spirit is with you. First Peter chapter one. Let's take a look at it. If you got a Bible, turn to it. I want you to see this. <clears throat> First Peter chapter one. He says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. This is Peter talking about people who, 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 who came previously. And these things which now have been announced to you. Watch this. These things, this day of salvation, this gospel that has now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Let's look at it one more time. These things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel. That means any person who will speak the word of God and declare the gospel. You don't do it on your own. They speak that gospel to you by Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels long to look. When you speak the gospel, this something supernatural happens. I, I can't explain it exactly. But the Bible says we can't confess Jesus Christ as Lord except by Holy Spirit. But it says here that when we speak the gospel, the moment you begin declaring the gospel to somebody, Holy Spirit is there speaking it through you. It's not just your word. Something supernatural happens in the air. I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know. But all of a sudden, your words that, you know, half the time you're speaking filth, half the time you're speaking encouragement, all of a sudden your words become life. And they become spirit by the Holy Spirit when you declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, is that amazing or what? You don't have to finish a class to do that. You don't have to graduate to super Christian. You don't have to be saved for 40 years. Anybody who gets involved in this, you, you speak the gospel and Holy Spirit is there in how you declare it. You're like, oh, it's just me. No, it's not. You're not that powerful. God is. And the moment you do what he wants, all of a sudden, it happens. What is this gospel? The gospel. The gospel. We, we talk a lot about the gospel. What is the gospel? Let me tell you the gospel. God is righteous and holy. He created us to live in communion with him. That means we're to live together with him. We have one rule over our lives. That's to love God. And when we love him, we do things that demonstrate love toward him. And we had one job and we failed at it. <laughs> we have one job and we failed. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if you realize today that you have not lived life the way you should have, good news. You're in good company. Or bad company, as it were. I don't know. But we have all fallen short of God's best. We, we've all sinned and fallen short. And it's not like that's something that God just lets slide. Because once we, once we choose teams we can't play the fence. We, when we decide that we're not on God's team, we've chosen another team. And um, there's a payday for every team. And uh, Romans 8, or excuse me, Romans 6 talks about the payday for people who pick the wrong team. He says, the wages, the pay, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Wow, that's not good. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> and you say, how, how can you do this? Um, <clears throat> I, um, I heard just a, a really moving story this week. Someone told me. 
And um, they, were, um, they were in India. Uh, they were on a mission team in India. And they were uh, witnessing to prostitutes in India who literally were, were owned uh, by people. And, um, and so they understood what it meant to be owned. And they were witnessing to these people and they were like, there's no way. There's no way that I could ever be forgiven of this sin. It's just not possible. And they tried to tell them about the grace of God and the love of God and how he's a good father and did not make any sense. And then they got a word of wisdom. And they said, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is the king. He's the ruler. He's in charge. You understand that? They say, yes. And when a king decides someone is going to serve them, they have to serve them. You understand that? Because they understood what it meant to be owned and to serve. And he says, yes. And he says, my Bible says that he predestined some to be saints. And you can't argue it does say that. What that means is debatable. And he says, and if you feel any tugging in your heart to follow him, that means he's chosen you to serve him. And you have no choice in the matter, but you have to obey. She said, well, if the king says I have to obey, then I'll receive Jesus as my Savior. That's good news, amen? He is a king, and he is to be served. Now, he's so awesome that he gives us a choice, but who would choose the other team? This is, what, this is what John the Baptist said about Jesus in John 1.29. He saw Jesus come and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ is the King and he gets to choose who serves him. It's good news, right? But my Bible says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you with me? Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was born from a virgin. He never sinned. He was beaten and bruised and then murdered on a cross. He was buried in a borrowed grave. And on the third day, he returned from the dead. Hallelujah. Forty days later, he rose into heaven. And he's now in heaven praying for us. Mikey, come up if you would. I want to show you something very quickly as I finish. The gospel shows us God's glory. It shows us God's glory. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 4. The gospel shows us God's glory. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Read with me. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Back up again. Verse 4, he says, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. This gospel, when it is spoken, brings light. And this light shines on the glory of God, who is Christ. This glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So when you speak the gospel, all of a sudden... This becomes evident. It becomes clear. Light from heaven comes. Holy Spirit begins to magnify your words and turn them into life. God gets involved in the entire thing. It's not on you. It's on Him. And again, like I said in Romans 10, 13, it says, 
Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I've spoken this to you today, and I spoke this for a very specific reason, so that you would have faith in the Word of God. That you would have faith in the Word of God, number one. Number two, I've spoken this today so you would see the, the gospel is power. I've spoken it today, and when I spoke the gospel, Holy Spirit came and may have done something in your heart. Maybe you've been walking for, with God for a while, and all of a sudden you're convicted of your sin. Maybe you know that you have departed from the gospel. You didn't mean to. You didn't deny Christ. You didn't deny Jesus. You don't say that there is some other God. No, no, you still believe in Him. But somehow, what you believe and how you live no longer match. There was a conviction of sin at one time. Now your heart has been hardened. Somehow you've moved on at other things that the world has exalted as something more important. Does that make sense? And so today, as I preach the gospel, I, I, didn't, I didn't even talk about half the things God is speaking to your heart about right now because God is involved in the gospel. Does this make sense? And he's convicting your heart right now because Jesus wants to wash you clean again. But also, maybe you never received him as Lord of your life. Maybe you never confessed. And you feel something happening in your heart right now. You feel like you could cry right now. You feel like something. I'm telling you what. Holy Spirit right now is tugging on your heart. Jesus Christ is calling you home. That's what's happening. And here's what I want to do today. At the end of service, there are going to be some people right up here. Not right now, but right up here, there's going to be some people. Actually, on this side, right here. And I'm going to pray for everybody in the room. And if you pray for the first time today, I want you to come up here and tell somebody. Amen? Because we need to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. We need to tell somebody. It needs to be public. But we all are going to speak the gospel today together. And if you're away from God, you're going to start on a new path in following him and a fresh work of Holy Spirit in your heart. If you've never followed him, I'll tell you what, you're about to receive life. And it's going to be very good. Amen? Stand with me if you would. We're all going to pray together. I'm going to put it on the screen, and we're all going to pray together. We're going to declare it. If you speak these words in faith, and you speak it, and you believe in your heart as you say these words, life is going to come. Amen? Let's say it together. Father. We're all going to say it together. Ready? On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Father, I did things that were wrong. I knew they were wrong, and I did them anyway. Today, I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he was born from a virgin, that he lived without sin, that he died on a cross and came back from the dead. I believe he is alive in heaven, praying for me right now. Jesus, wow, I invite you to become Lord of my life, to rule in my heart for the rest of my life. Baptize me in Holy Spirit. Fill me with power to obey, to be a witness, and to follow you for the rest of my life. Here I am, Jesus. Come on, give a shout to God. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare right now for every person in this room who prayed this prayer with their heart, I declare the forgiveness of sins. I declare new life. I declare new life. I declare new life. I declare new life. And I pray, Father, that you would baptize afresh in the Holy Spirit and power. Father, wash them clean. 
Father, I pray they will be added to this church. They will become, be discipled, to be loved, to be taught what it means to walk with God. I declare a new heart for your, for your people and for your word. And a new heart for your spirit and for the truth. Father, we love you today. And we thank you for everything you've done in our midst. We pray, Father, that you would empower us. You would bring people in front of us who need to hear this gospel this week. We pray for boldness to speak words of truth. Now we would bring them with us to the house of God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Give a shout to the Lord if you would. If you need prayer for anything today, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward right now quickly to come forward. If you need prayer for anything today, if you need healing in your body, you need breakthrough, you need deliverance, I want to invite you forward. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or you're rededicating your life to God, I want to invite you to come right on over here. Love somebody before you leave. Give somebody a big hug and uh, just connect with somebody before you go. We bless you. Hope to see you next week. I'll be in the lobby at the end. Just give me a moment to get there. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.